Welcome to Auckland Conversations, ideas for becoming the world's most livable city. Uh, good evening, everyone. Tēnā and, and welcome. Welcome to Auckland Conversations. It's so lovely to see you all here this evening. Uh, my name is Maddie McLean, and I'm going to be facilitating uh, the discussion this evening. And it's genuinely a joy and an honour to be here. Um, I, I'm not an Aucklander by birth. Uh, I'm relatively new, I think all things considered. I've been here for about 10 years, but I love this city. You know, I was walking, um, I, I live just up the road, and I was walking along K Road uh, earlier today, and I just thought, this is, this is Auckland. This is the best of Auckland, right? It's the vibrancy, it's the eclectic energy, it's the beautiful people, the diverse people. There's so much to love about this city, uh, and, and I think that that that's what is so important about this conversation because I know so many of you are passionate about this city as well and passionate about how we can make it better, right? And so to do that, we need to have these conversations and we need to engage in local body politics and it's so important to be here. So thank you. Um, Auckland Conversations, I think, is gonna be one of these places to provide an opportunity to hopefully inspire and stimulate your thinking a little bit um, about the challenges facing Auckland, Tamaki Makoto, but also the way that we can make this city incredible. And there's so many people really passionate about doing that. Um, tonight, we're going to be joined by a, a panel of really passionate speakers um, who will hopefully engage you and address why voting is so important and how we can really uh, achieve amazing outcomes for Tamaki Makoto as well. Thank you so much for being here in person. Uh, it's great to see so many of your smiling faces. And hello to those of you tuning in from home or from, from the office, wherever you're watching virtually. It's so nice to have you here as well. Um, for those of you in the room, I just thought I'd go through some housekeeping notes. Um, boy, uh, bathrooms are in the foyers. Um, just through the doors there. Um, there is unfortunately no smoking or vaping inside here, so if you do want to do that, you will have to exit the building and go outside. Um, and in the, case, in the case of an emergency, please just um, head through the doors here in the foyer um, right outside and we'll um, assemble in Aotea Square. Um, and finally, if we can just make sure our phones are turned to silent, that would be fantastic. Don't want any of those like crazy Beyonce ringtones. As, I love Beyonce, but we don't need to hear her when we're having an important discussion, all right? Um, but leave them on. Don't, you don't need to turn them off because we'd love for you to post to social media. And also, um, we're using the Slido feature so that people can ask questions as well, which I'll explain to you a little bit later on as well. Um, before we get properly underway this, uh, this evening, I'd like to introduce uh, Richard Nahi from Nati Fatua. E te rangatirea e meti e mihi nui atu ki a koe, te, te mihi hākaneira ki tā tātou whānau e haere mai ana ki tēni pō ki te tūtokoa ki te karanga. A tēnā koe. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is uh, Richard Nahi and I am from the tribe of Ngāti Whātua, uh, but from the Kaipara area. So it's a pleasure and an honour to be here. I'm going to commence with a karakia to acknowledge the importance of the environment that we, we live in here in Tāmaki Makoto. Acknowledging the rangi nui, Rangirua, and also Kia Papa Tūnuku. And also to acknowledge the environment and the treasures that we have that's been a gift for all of us to enjoy that has been created for us uh, to be here in Tāmaki Makoto. And uh, I'm going to acknowledge also 
the very importance in terms of looking after Papatuna. So let us pray, everyone. Kero mai tatu. E mihi nui atu ki rangi nui ki rangi roa, ki tawhiri rangi ki te hau whakaora ki te hau e pāngi ngā kiri o te tangata. E mihi atu ana ki a papatua nuku ki a papatua rangi, te papa e takataka hi ngā tūpuna mātua. Te papa e waiho te atu ki a rātou. Te papa e mararo ki te itinga e mararo ki te opunga, te papa afi i afiani a tātou o tēnā, o tēnā, o tēnā ngā haka tupuranga e tupu a keneitu kaipo tu kaiao. E te atua, ke konei mātou te whānau i tēnī pō, te mihaka haka whetai ki a koe, mo tā tātou huihuinga ki raro tutuni o tēnī whare. Ara hingea mai i tā mātou kaupapa me ngā kōrero katoa mo tā me ki makaurau, e mihaka whetai ki a koe mo tēnā i roto i tō tātou ariki. Tūturu haka maua ki a tēnā, tēnā, Homi e hui e. Ai, kia ora mai tātou. Tēnā koe mea. Tēnā koe, Richard. Thank you so much for that. Uh, this is going to be a fantastic evening. I'm really excited about it, and I hope you are as well. We've got some amazing speakers. So this, the, the format for tonight will be a bit of a discussion and a bit of a panel so that we can hear from these speakers, and we'll have a bit of a chat, a all about... Uh, why local body elections is so important, how we can p possibly engage people to be more passionate about local body politics, uh, and what some of the big issues facing the city are as well. Um, and you'll have the opportunity, of course, to ask questions of our panellists as well and hear from our amazing speakers. We do have, of course, a limited time to get through everything. So when we get to the question um, portion, uh, if you just try and keep your questions kind of nice and concise, uh, and if you do want to um, specifically direct them to anyone, just make sure that you um, either let us know via the microphone or if you're using the Slido feature, um, just write down who it is that you want to direct your questions to. Um, Slido, for those of you who don't know, is an amazing interactive Q&A tool to be able to ask these questions. I'm going to have an iPad with me so I can look through the questions in real time as you're submitting them. Um, if you've got a smartphone or uh, an iPad or a tablet, whatever it is, um, visit slido.com enter the um, event code hashtag elections, and then you can ask your question virtually on Slido. Um, we'll obviously try and get through as many of them as time will allow, um, or if you are in the room with us this evening, please just um, feel free to raise your hands, and we'll bring a microphone to you, and you can ask your question in person as well. Um, don't forget as well, like I said, um, leave your phones on so that you can post to social media if you feel um, feel like doing that. We've got some hashtags already going. Um, hashtag AKL Conversations, ha hashtag AKL Elections, and hashtag Vote Auckland as well. Um, this is obviously a really inclusive and accessible place for people. We want people to be engaged in this court at all. So um, on-demand viewing of the event, um, a full transcript and captioning will be available um, on the Auckland Conversations website in the next few days. Everyone ready? Yay, fantastic. Um, this is an exciting time. Voting has opened. By the way, um, turn your heads and have a look at the back there. Give everyone a wave. That's our um, amazing elections team. Um, you can go and have a chat to them. You can register to vote. You can actually vote in person, right? Yeah, they can come and see you. Amazing. Um, go and have a chat to them. They are amazing. Yes, round of applause. 
Um, voting has opened, by the way. Hopefully you've got your packages in the mail or you're going to go and chat to the team to make sure that you get those papers in the mail. Um, so um, don't forget as well to um, vote before midday on the 8th of October. Um, tonight we're here to talk about why it is so important to vote, uh, why it's important that um, Auckland's eligible voters help choose who our next uh, local body politicians will be, and the future for this incredible city. Yeah, I watched the um, the boring tunnel go through the... Uh, it was amazing. It was so good. Don't laugh, Twila. It was incredible. I loved watching it. And it got me so excited because those are the things that are going to make my Auckland living experience a lot better. So it's things like that that I think, okay, that's why I need to be involved and why I need to be passionate and why I need to vote in local body politics because those are the things that affect me. Um, it's, it's amazing. I think so many people get so focused on central body, uh, central politics, but local body politics affects us every single day. It's why we need to be involved, engaged, and it's why things like Auckland Conversations is so important. So thank you for being here today. Uh, there's a, about 170 positions that candidates are standing for, so there's a lot of people involved really hoping for your engagement um, and votes as well. So make sure you do your research. There's some amazing tools online that you can use to find out a little bit more about the, um, about the candidates, what they stand for, who they are, um, and why they want your vote. Go and do that. Don't just tick the boxes. Actually read up about these people because they're the ones that are going to make your life a lot easier. Um, right, shall we get into it? Let's uh, introduce our panellists. We have some incredible panellists this evening, and each of them comes from a really unique um, viewpoint as well, so it's going to be amazing. Our first panellist uh, is Erin Temu. Give him a round of applause. Erin uh, is, a senior, um, is uh, the senior advisor for community engagement at the Electoral Commission. That's his team down the back there. Say so, go, go Aaron. <laughs> um, he especially works really hard on the engagement work streams to reach our Māori, Pacifica, youth and education and hard to reach communities as well. He's been very hard at work. We're going to talk to you a bit about the mahi you've been doing, Aaron. Um, thank you for being here today. Really appreciate it. Our next panellist is Julie Watson. Give her a round of applause. Um, Julie Watson is the program manager for the Silver Rainbow and Rainbow Tick. Uh, a member of the Rainbow Advisory Panel at the Auckland Council. She also worked for two decades, that's right, at the, Auckland, at the Human Rights Commission. Um, so she's going to be fascinating. Can't wait to speak to you, Julie. Thank you for being here. Panelist number three is Latavia um, Tuolasia uh, Tautai. I got that right? Tautai. Tautai. Awesome. Welcome. Please come on up. Um, Latavia is the project man manager at um, YWCA. She's a second-generation Auckland-born Samoan. Um, she's really focused on the eng engagement and empowerment of young people with um, a bit of a feminist lens as well. So it's going to be fascinating to get your point of view this evening. Thank you for being here, Latavia. Um, and finally, Twila um, Fautai. Fautai. Uh, a journalist um, who grew up here in Tamaki Makoto and now works um, for Etangata and is focused on Pacific issues as a writer um, for the magazine. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being here. We've got a couple of microphones for you guys to share as well. Um, 
I thought, first of all, the, the, the best thing I thought I wanted to get from each of you to start with is why you love this city so much. Why do you love Auckland? Erin? Well, um, I love um, Auckland because it's my home. Yeah. I was born here. Um, I did school here. I got married here. have all my favorite people here. Um, so, you know, home is where the heart is. So this is my home, Auckland. Love it. Beautiful. Julie? Uh, yeah, what what he said. Um, <laughs> all that all that stuff, and also I really love the beach. And in Auckland, you can be at the beach any any type of beach within a nanosecond, just about. Well, not not always a nanosecond because of traffic, <laughs> but you know that's something else that we need to vote strategically for to get sorted out. Oh, it's a pain in the ass, isn't it, Julie? Yeah. Um, Latavia, what about you? I love this question because I'm a Jaffa through and through. I'm passionate about Tamaki Makoto. Um, I grew up in Western South Auckland. Anyone here from Westside? Yeah. <laughs> have, we, have we got Southside in the room? Okay, we need more of that. Um, <laughs> something to work on for next time. Um, so I'm really passionate about our people, really. And I think as a Pacific person, this is the largest Polynesian city in the world. There's more, there's more Samoans here in Auckland than there are in Samoa. And I love it here, 685. Um, but I think... Something a little bit deeper um, is that I'm second generation, so my grandparents came here when the New Zealand government invited us to work underpaid, um, overworked. So um, my grandparents put their blood, sweat and tears into building Auckland's infrastructure. So it runs a bit deep, my love for Tamaki Makoto, um, period, yeah. I love that. Thank you for that answer. Um, Twila, what about you? Uh, so similar themes to everyone here. I grew up here and it's home, so I love it. And I also do like how it is a massive Pacific city. It's very diverse. And I would love to see us move forward from that and make it um, probably a more inclusive city where it's less segregated and where everyone gets to enjoy all the different parts about it, like the beaches and the moana and the parks and the walks in a way that doesn't seem like you're going sometimes to the, another part of the country. Beautiful. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We'll talk more about that later. Um, shortly, because I, I'd love to unpack that a little bit more with you. But Erin, I wanted to get an understanding from you because obviously you. This is this is your territory, right? Local body politics and and central government politics as well. But especially in this conversation, why is it so important that people are engaged in local body politics? Yeah. So um, how we try and connect um, the messages that we just create a story. So. Um, when you wake up in the morning, you have your little cup of tea. You have to appreciate the water that's coming through those taps. And when you, you know, put your, your plastic bottle into the recycle bin, you've got to appreciate the bottle that will be recycled. And so everyday things, walk the kids down to school, um, take them to the pools um, for swimming lessons, the footpaths that we use, um, the road that we drive on, the pool facility we use. You know, um, so... When you connect the authority that is connected to water, recycling, footpaths, roads, uh, the pools, the parks, uh, everyday services run by the council, um, they're important to us. Um, but sometimes, um, you know, if they're not working, it matters more. <laughs> but when it does work, you know, it does really matter to us in our lives, everyday lives. So um, that's why I think it's really important to vote, is because it really does um, affect our everyday lives. 
Do you think people, Twiller, do you think people understand that? Do you think they understand how much it kind of permeates so many aspects of our lives? Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say no, yeah. only because I am probably not good at acknowledging all those links that you've just pointed out. I think we, when you were talking just then, Erin, what I thought most about was um, lockdown. I mean, no one wants to think about lockdown, but just having access to the like a green space. And then it became really... Uh, Really obvious how important it was to have that, especially because it was so full. Like, I live just down the road from Cornwall Park, Maunga Kia Kia, and it was... I mean, it wasn't supposed to be, but it was like a train station the whole time, and parents were able to bring their kids out at, like, 7 in the morning, so it was a lifesaver, really, yeah. Beautiful. Um, Latavia, what about you? I, I don't mean to... Um from a, a younger person perspective, because often... <laughs> so, um, because younger people, yeah. younger people get a bad rap, right, about their engagement, not just yeah. in local body politics, but central government yeah. as well. So why do you think it's so important that young people get involved? Because for them, they might think, well, I don't own a house, I don't have to deal with paying rates or anything like that, this doesn't affect me, but it does, right? Yeah. So Maddie, I'm 24, so I'm nearing the end of the youth space, so it's <laughs> nearly time for me to give it up, hang it up. You're, you're um, youth adjacent. I'm yeah. nearly youth adjacent, but definitely youth on this panel. Nah, jokes. <laughs> but anyways, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that young people at Rangatahi, we're not homogenous, and there's so many different types of people. Um, but amongst my community, um, I'm definitely not an exception. I'm just a reflection of the amazing young people around me that are engaged, and they're engaged in different ways, some of them on the front lines with protests, um, and some of them within the public sector working in policy. Um, but we're also among the very lucky who have had access to education and who have had access to like university. And that's also a very privileged group of rangatahi as well, because we're already engaged in systems, right? But we're also a part of a group that haven't fallen between the gaps as well. Um, and I just think of, especially like, our young people who need to leave high school um, to support their families, you were talking about lockdown and everything. So when they're focused on keeping the lights on, it's hard to read a booklet with what different counsellors think about different things, especially if you've only seen them during election year. So it's really important when we're engaging with rangatahi that it's two ways, that it's reciprocal and that rangatahi are also gaining things from those interactions and not just being used, I guess, um, for election photos and, you know, and I just think of the incredible work that, like, Erin and their team do, engaging rangatahi actually by youth, for youth, the kind of work that they do, um, but then thinking of the other side on, like, council side and with government and everything, um, it's how are those systems actually engaging youth on a day-to-day -day basis? How are we not only at the table, but kind of dismantling those systems so that we can engage in ways that are accessible? Yeah, sorry, not the big words, but... <laughs> no, I, I love but, that, yeah. but how do you do that, do you think? Because we know... Yeah. I see that they get yeah. a bad rap, but we know how engaged yeah. young people are in the issues that matter yeah. to them. But like you say, if there's a lot else, if, if there's a lot of other things going on in their life, yeah. it's hard to get that cut through. So how yeah. do you do that? How do you engage yeah. with them? I think we, sh and a prime example we can think of is during COVID. You know, the way that we engaged communities and the way that we actually empowered and put resources behind community groups and organisations and young people that were already doing the work. So I think it's about um, youth-led mahi um, that has the resources and has the money because when we actually empower groups, for example, you could just think of South Seas out in Otara, 
um, the way that they engaged and mobilized our communities, but also acknowledging how hard it is to vote sometimes for some people and how hard it is to get some places. Gas is expensive, period. <laughs> it's wild out here. But then also, if you think about public transport, a lot of my family work night shifts. So they can't catch a bus to night shift, they're using petrol. Um, and having those kind of incentives like petrol vouchers and grocery vouchers, um, I don't really think of it as um, like bribing people, I think of it as acknowledging the inequities and that for some people it takes a lot more to get to um, voting stations or to get to places. Um, but I know that they're doing a lot of work on that, but I think there's also um, not enough awareness around um, what's out there, mm. but amazing work that is being done, but also acknowledging the inequities in our communities. It's wow. 24. <laughs> God. Amazing. Julie, I wanted to get your perspective, though, because uh, you, um, I mentioned you worked for the Human Rights um, Commission for a, lo a long time, and now you work for the Rainbow Advisory um, Panel. So I wanted, wanted your perspective on democracy and why it's so important, especially to those minority or, or mar marginalised communities as well. I think that the, the short answer is, is that's a really good way to amplify your voices, is to have people that you have elected, people who are standing up and representing people who are like you um, in, in those roles. And what was it, 170 different roles are up, up for grabs, and the, the voter turnout historically has been in such tiny percentage the people who take on those roles, what kind of mandate is that for them, you know? How, how do they know that they really have the people behind them when so few people have come out to, to put their mark on the piece of paper? And I know that in some communities, the difference between one person and another it might just be a very few votes, which, you know, that's, that's about d democracy, you know? Every single vote, absolutely counts and and if you are wanting to get your people into those positions to um, make sure that your communities are represented you have to get out and vote and I think that every person who makes a commitment to vote should also grab at least one other person and and take them through the process show them how the book works how you fill it out take offer to take their papers to the local countdown but like if you're committed to voting commit to just you know helping another couple of people who might never have um engaged in that democracy to do it as well and explain to them why it's so important and we need to make sure we have unique voices and, and a wide spectrum of voices in terms of our local body politics right absolutely absolutely yeah so do we have that at the moment, Erin, do you think? In terms of, if we look at the candidates, do we have a, a good cross-section of, of possible voices to represent such a diverse city as, as Auckland, as Tamaki Mikado? Um, probably in, in this particular election, because it's run by the council and not by the elect electoral commission, um, they probably have all the data on, on the diversity side of things, yeah. so we're not really uh, involved in that. But from what I've seen in the community and on the billboards, I've seen a lot more diversity this time around, and there's a lot more people standing, especially in our Māori and Pacific uh, spaces, um, as well as um, you know, um, male, female. So, yeah, from what I've seen, um, it, it definitely is represented. Um, tell me about the work that you've been doing recently as well, because I know you've been on the ground working really hard to make sure that people get out and vote. Yeah, well, we have a uh, shared work plan with the Auckland Council 
um, to um, encourage participation. So at, um, at the moment, we've got the one-stop shop here, but we put those one-stop shops uh, where you can vote and enroll at the same time, started um, this week. Um, at places that we can that, that need that support, so we kind of have two po that we erect as uh, communication and support, and so in doing that, we're placing our one-stop shops at places like um, the City Mission, um, at uh, soup kitchens, um, at um, the MITs, the AUTs, uh, on Marae. So we're going to places where they do need that support. Um, to be able to get out there and actually cast their vote. So it's been really good to have that partnership. And, and the great thing about it, like this morning, we had the Student Association join us. We've got MIT opening up the space. We've got the council doing the voting and the Electoral Commission doing the enrolment. So that combination is like, you know, uh, any synergy, you get a lot more um, participation by having free food. Students love free food and they are able to get educated as well as um, practically cast their vote um, and get enrolled if they haven't uh, done that. So really good work um, it has been over the last week or so with the council, but we've been planning that since last year, so it doesn't just happen overnight. There's been a lot of planning going into it, and um, even the pop-ups that, that have happened this time around, um, because nobody knows really where the closest post uh, box is, you can go to the countdown here and, and anywhere in Auckland. And so, you know, that makes it more convenient and, and it just helps people out, go to libraries, to the train stations, and you'll see the boxes that you see over there and you can actually cast your vote. So convenience, um, support, um, and communication is really something that we're trying to increase in this particular election. Yeah, I only learned about the countdown boxes today. That's yeah. brilliant. And it's yeah, but it's and idea. you've got to make it easy for people, right? Yeah. And I wondered how important it is to get into those um, pockets like at the city mission and the soup kitchens and make sure that these are the people that are also engaged in local body politics who possibly have never voted before. Yeah, that's right, because it's really hard to communicate to them. You actually have to be there. You know, you've got to be there. You've got to offer the service straight away. You know, you can't put up a poster, you can't send them a text. Homeless people don't have those facilities or, or those things. Even students don't have access to the data. So we have to position ourselves where these people are so that we can actually get them to participate. So it's been a really good initiative. And are they engaged, Erin? Yeah, well, a lot of uh, sausages went today so um, <laughs> and yesterday at Otara. Uh, as well as Monaco, and um, before they had to actually go there, they had to uh, visit our enrolment or voting station. So it's been really good to have those initiatives happen. Although we know participation has been low over the last few years and kind of seems to be steadily declining often. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people aren't engaged in local body politics? I think it's probably some of the things that we've already covered where we're not actually sure what, say, local council is responsible for. We're not sure of the role that they play in our everyday lives. Um, and I suppose for me, when I think of uh, what's most important and what I want to vote, vote on, uh, housing always comes up, and that's like a central government issue, right? So housing, um, what else? Health services, or what, where do I vote for that? So that's also central government. Um, and those, I suppose it's just kind of trying to bring back the importance of what council does. and. Um, we had this conversation before about rates, like, oh, you know, I don't pay rates, but actually, yes, we do pay rates, you pay your rates through your rent. <laughs> so, um, so it's just kind of trying to tie together where, um, 
you know, where our contribution, that monetary contribution goes, and then what council actually can do with it, I suppose. Julie, when you think about why you vote in local local body politics, what are the what are the issues that are important to you? What are the things that affect you that make you fill out the voting paper and tick the boxes? So I'm really ashamed to say that I was incredibly passionate about voting for central government right from when I was a teenager. Like, I turned 18 seven days after the general election in, in that, the year that I turned 18. I was just bitter as. And, you know, I, I came from a family that talked, about that talked about general politics a lot. And I think, really, my committed journey to being a voter in local body um, politics was um, when I became a panellist on the, you know, on the, for, on the rainbow panel for Auckland City Council. And we, we each took different portfolios. And I did two terms on the election panel. And then it's like, oh, um, I just felt so ashamed of how infrequent, how... Um, what a, what low emphasis I put on it, and I, I so I really feel like my huge committed journey began then. I wonder though whether that shame actually discourages people constantly because they go, well, I haven't been engaged before. I feel a little bit yeah. embarrassed about that, so I don't, I don't, I don't know where to start, or I, I don't feel like I can start because I've been so disengaged for such a long time. Yeah, and and I, I, when Erin was saying that, you know, about people who don't get things in their inbox <coughs> and you can't text them and stuff, and I think I also think about those people who have no headspace left because they're just working so much. They've got so many things to think about. And um, the, the, book, the booklet seems a, um, a, a bridge too far. And I think that that's why it's really awesome that you can go online and watch little videos and um, do other interactive things that help you get more information. It, 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 we just, yeah, we, we really need to help out those people who just go, oh, you know, this is one thing to think about that I just don't have capacity for. So, you know, just reiterating again that idea of take someone with you, take someone on that commitment journey with you and make make it seem so doable for, for, for them. Like, I've got adult children and there's no way they wouldn't be voting in these elections, you know, and, and all the last ones, because... I just really wanted to take them on the journey so they didn't grow up to be like me and not have have committed much earlier in their life. Latavia, do you think we need to, to break down that, that shame, that embarrassment of possibly not being having been engaged before? Um, I think... I don't know too much about the shame because I think it's more... I'm speaking from my community. Yeah. But also, I can't represent an entire community. But I'm just speaking, like, from what I've... The conversations I've had with my family um, and my community is that um, we can only move at the speed of trust. And I don't think there's a lot of trust between a lot of communities and local government um, because we don't actually... A lot of people don't actually know what they do. You know, I had to go to university and major in pol politics and international relations to kind of understand it. So what you've got to get thousands and thousands of dollars worth of student loan, <laughs> that's a failure of um, our system. 
um, to um, reach into communities. So I think trust is a massive issue. Like, yeah, of course there's um, shame and embarrassment because it's embarrassing having to ask questions that you think everyone knows the answer to. Um, but also, if I don't trust the person who's just come into my community on this one day, that I was like, I have never seen your name before in my whole life, who are you? Um, but something exciting about this election is that I've seen names that I could vote for on the billboards and things that I've seen in my community over the years, um, and it's people from our communities, and I think that's very exciting. It's small progress, um, and it's great to see more ethnic diversity, and I hope we can um, have even more diversity, not only in regards to Māori and Pasifika, but more youth representation as well, and um, also in terms of our LGBTQIA plus community um, when it comes to local elections. So yeah, I think trust is a really big one. And then based off what Erin said as well is we can't engage our communities from our desks. And also like thinking about where we're holding events and where we're, because um, not me reading the little slider, that's not my job, sorry Maddie. Go for um, it. You know, thinking about wearing, where we're having our events, um, thinking about free parking, because I've got a lot of family members that if there's no parking, they're not coming. <laughs> Absolutely not. They're like, is it online? I'll zoom it, and I know they're not watching, but no, love you, family. Um, but you know, it's about making things as accessible as you can um, and me meeting people where they are. So I think we found from lockdown, like, of course, you want to have digital accessibility. Like, if you could have online voting, that would be a dream. And I know a lot of countries are, um, you know, are putting, you know, trials in regards to that, but nothing beats kanohi kita kanohi. Like face to face is so valuable, and we all crave human connection. But I think it's about building those genuine relationships and communities over years, and also putting people forward from our communities to actually run, um, run for these spots at these decision making tables, but also on the council side, making sure that they're safe places once our people are elected and voted in. Amazing. Um, Twila, um, Latavia obviously touched on diversity. How crucial is that to see someone that feels like they would represent you, represent your community, represent who you are as a person? How crucial is diversity? I think it's uh, really important. It brings it back to actually wanting to engage. I think that's part of it. Um, I actually think the local... Well, this round of local government election, has it feels uh, a lot more local as in... We, you know, like you mentioned, you can see the people, you know that they're from where you live. Um, so their engagement in the community seems a lot more real. Um, so yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for engagement and it encourages people to actually try and find out what the council does. Yeah. How, can we do better though, Erin, in terms of making sure that people know what is, what is done through local body politics, why they should be engaged, why they should vote? Yeah, I think we can always do better, right? And um, I think we just need to uh, change the narrative um, and to give them a, a narrative to actually believe in, to build their trust and confidence. And, you know, sometimes we have to walk backwards to actually move forwards. And, you know, um, the past kind of... The people that have paid the cost um, for freedom and democracy, like on Monday, um, the 19th, 129 years ago, um, back in 1893, women won the, the right to vote here in Aotearoa, so a world first. Today, almost uh, half of MPs are women. So if, um, if you don't have your say, um, then you, you're not only um, giving up your right, but a, a real privilege, I believe, to vote, uh, because the people who have gone before us paved the way. So, you know, voting is a great way to honour the past, 
And, you know, those are the types of things that we have to have on our minds when we're actually talking to people to, to build that trust and confidence because there has actually been a lot uh, happened um, in, our, in our past to actually bring into our future. Surely these are, uh, I'm using um, extreme end examples here, but if we think of the likes of President Trump and, and, and Brexit, for example, big decisions that were made, that were voted in, that a lot of people didn't necessarily agree with. It kind of shows how important it is to have a voice, right? Absolutely. I mean, that, yeah, high-end high example there, maybe. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what's, what was the question again? Uh, just, just it goes to show the importance of having a voice when you're talking yeah. about democracy. Absolutely, too. And how local um, body politics works, too, is that you have to campaign um, and use, you know, you can fundraise and things, but you use your own putia to, to do that fundraising. And I think that m means that we have to be really discerning. You know, we don't just vote for the person who has the most billboards or um, actually has an ad on television. We, we have to really be thoughtful about, you know, if we're going to get people that look like us, will they necessarily have as many resources at their disposal to, um, yeah, to, to, to make um, a big splash. So being really thoughtful about that and thinking about what the costs of all that is as well too, I think, is important. And making sure that, they, that, that you feel like they'll make a difference when they're actually there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's the, what, yeah, what... what I, I think it's like your trust, eh? What, what is the motivation of these candidates? Yeah. And how, how do I um, pick the people who I feel have the motivation that aligns with my values? Mm. Twila, I, um, I mentioned before there's some amazing tools online that you can find out a little bit more about these candidates, but a lot of it, the onus is on you to do the work. Is that the right, right approach, do you think? Is that the right way to go about it? To put the onus on the, on the voter to do all of the work to find out about these candidates and what they stand for? Or does there need to be a lot more information given, you know, when, when people are going to make their votes? Uh, both. I think uh, we, we should be proud of our democracy and our system. So, yes, there should be some responsibility on us to find out what's happening. At the same time, the low turnout rate shows that it's just not working. So, therefore, we do need more engagement and we need to find better ways to engage people because... We're just not talking to enough people. Um, and as to how we do that, again, if we wanted to reach youth, not I know you, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> um, we just have to talk to them and see what ideas do you have or what, do you, what would you like to see done because otherwise we're just going to go around in circles. And I'm sure Erin knows what this is like when you're just trying to engage people and perhaps don't have the right tools or the right methods to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Latavia, how do you do that? How do you do, do, do the kid, do the do, do the young the people have an idea of how to how to how to get more engagement? Yeah, um, well, we've talked about it a lot. It's going to where rangatahi are. So thinking about our um, education system, and I know that teachers have so much to fit into the curriculum, um, but the fact that we don't teach civics um, at a level um, where people because it's so important, like youth youth. The youth vote is so integral, not only for like the turnout today, um, but also um, it's been shown that um, your youth voting patterns as a young person reflects whether you're going to be engaged for the rest of your life. Mm. 
So you've got to get people early as well. Um, because like we said, a lot of the working poor are time poor, but we have a lot of young people and kids in schools um, when they're young, and that's the time to kind of... Because the first time I kind of ever thought about politics, um, you know, and how it affects me is when a teacher at my school got us to do a little, like, mock debate about, like, issues that kind of affected us, like whether we wanted a school uniform or not, um, you know, and <laughs> which is, you know, very pressing. Um, you know, but um, it really got me thinking about how important our voices and, like you said, voting for um, the sacrifices of before and now. But, like, as a kid, it's just like, how do these things work? Who am I voting for? And also, um, young people and children, even in primary school, meeting candidates um, and meeting politicians before election year, you know, and that they're consistently involved and that there are some who are doing incredible work um, and that needs to be highlighted, you know, in the media. So that's on you too. <laughs> you know, and in spaces, um, in mainstream spaces to acknowledge those people. Because I know so many people on the front line who are putting in the work, you know, like Erin's team and like, you know, um, Bubblegum, South Seas and like so many churches, like Pacific people volunteer, not me going on and on about Pacific, but I'm proud. Um, we volunteer over 40,000 hours per week in New Zealand alone, which is what, yeah put hands together for my people, um, you know, but there's a lot to be said about unpaid work and that's a whole other panel, but <laughs> I just want to acknowledge, like, everything we kind of contribute to the front line, so yeah, the onus shouldn't only be on um, the voter, but also on uh, those on a systemic level to reach in um, as well, yeah. Yeah, and so Erin, is that a big part of your, your mahi at the moment? Yeah, so... You know, we have to have a look at it uh, in a way that it's generational and cultural change. And so it's not an easy fix. It's not a, a target for KPIs for this uh, local body election. That's not how we approach community engagement because, you know, we have different generations of, of people coming into New Zealand. First, second, third, fourth generation Pacific Islanders. We have different generations in regards to Māori and, and, and even other uh, ethnic um, groups, and so we've got to approach them differently, but they're all wanting a better future. They're all wanting to build a better generation coming forth uh, through, and this is our message, is that you can do it simply by having a voice, casting your vote, getting somebody that represents you standing you know, in these local elections, and that's our message to our community, to be able to increase um, uh, success. And um, that's why I think there's a lot more buy-in um, into local body elections this year than I've, I've seen in the previous uh, two elections, which is really good. Isn't that so inspiring? Yeah. And hopeful, right? And we need a bit of hope. Yeah. Julie, I was looking at some of the um, stats that um, the council sent me. Um, there's been an increase in the number of candidates aged 35 to 44 this year. Uh, there's been an increase in Middle Eastern, Latin American, African um, candidates up by about 8%. What do you think that'll mean for voter turnout? Do you think that'll make a difference? Yes, I, I absolutely do. I mean, if, if you're in that 8% and you see people that are part of your communities who look like you, who have the same issues in their lives, who have the same interests of you, I do think you will turn out and vote for them, yeah. Brilliant. So yeah. where do we go from here then? Erin, I'll start with you. How do, we, how, do we, how do we move forward and make sure that we're engaging the right people, getting them motivated to get out and vote, 
and, and, and making them care about something that affects them every single day. Yeah, well, um, we approach every community and community issues require community solutions. We don't have the answer in government, it's all in the community. Mm. And so that's, that's what we do, is we consult with the community, we talk to the community, because it's their generational change that they want. It's the, it's, of course we want it, because you know, this is what we do for a living, but the reality is the benefit lies in the community. And so by mobilising the community and, and empowering them to have a voice, to be able to stand, and to understand um, the, the past that brings us into the future, I'm hoping that that will change um, the next generation of voters coming through. And um, I think um, the younger people are way more astute than when um, we were young. Um, and they, they have a lot more access to um, knowledge. So I think that they are a lot more advanced and, and I'm sure they'll uh, turn out more as, as we go along. So, yeah, that's my hope. And it is all built on hope. So. Yeah, Julie, are you hopeful? Are you hopeful that we can get this right, that we can get engagement to where it needs to be to make sure that we have a thriving democracy when it comes to local body politics? Yeah, I am, but I do think one of the keys would be to make it digital as well. I think that we need to take voting online, however risky it might be that, you know, overseas people with bad intent hack into our information which, you know, actually, I left my voting papers in the box for a whole day. My neighbours could have come and taken those and used them and voted. So I, I, don't, know, I don't know how real, real that risk is, but I think there's so many populations that would, um, that would use the online system. It, it, you know, it, it's how we work. You know, we sit at our computers and... Our mahi comes in, our messages, our lunch invites all come in through that way. If we could bring up our voting papers, click into um, who the different candidates are, I, I just know that it would increase engagement. So I, I would definitely like to see a more 21st century approach, you know, to, to, to the whole voting mechanics. Latavia, what do you want to see? Oh, we, <laughs> we got the right mic. Because, um, like, okay. So, on one side, like, systems don't inspire me. They weren't built for me. They weren't built for my community. Um, but on a hopeful side, on a positive note, um, what does inspire me is seeing young people um, running. And so, I'm going to use an example. They're not in Auckland, so I'm not, I'm not saying to vote for them or anything. So, I'm going to use an example. So, I've got a friend, Tale Bryant, who's running for mayor in Whakatane. Um, and seeing a young um, Fijian Māori Pākehā um, woman who's been engaged in community from the get, engaged in rugby, engaged in youth empowerment, and who's also a young person running, you know, for a um, space at the table and to lead an organisation. Um, and I guess it's the pro that's what inspires me. Um, and seeing people back her and seeing people back um, young brown women, it's just, it's exciting. And that's what I think gives me hope. Um, so not only having a higher turnout and people using their voices, but also on the other side at decision-making tables, um, our people not being afterthoughts. Um, we're also, we're thought of as priorities as well because our voices matter. That's a really interesting point, Twila, I think she made. We've, we've talked a lot about engaging people in terms of voting, but we need to engage people to actually want to be a part of local body politics and democracy, right? 
Yes, and I and I think it is a tough gig um, to be to be quite honest. Like I, I agree with I'd love to see digital, Julie, and I would love to see more candidates. The other one that I might throw into the ring would be, and this is kind of what you guys are doing with working with MIT and the universities is, is there a way to look at trying to get work, large workplaces involved in terms of the enrolling process? So that that's a practical solution. Um, maybe not as big, big-minded as what you've suggested, Latavia, but yeah, it's just another, you know, another tool in the box. And that's what we need, right? We just need as many tools as we can, as many, as many ideas that are going to drive people forward and get them engaged. Yeah. Brilliant, um, you four, thank you. Um, I've seen a lot of questions come through from Slido, so I'm just going to um, switch to the keypad. Um, does anyone in the room have any questions at this point, by the way? <laughs> Fantastic. We've got... Um, Someone's put their hand up. Um, thank you. I have a question in response to the issue about digital voting. I mean, I think it's a really good idea to have it as an option, but I worry that then you disenfranchise those people who are not familiar with um, digital devices and so on. And we've seen an experiment of this in the health system over the last three years, with a lot of um, consultations being virtual. And the nice Pākehā people are getting their consultations, but those who are less fortunate are really struggling. So I just think it needs to be multimodal, and I'd yeah, like your response uh, to that. I completely agree that, that, you, that there will have to be some system for... Um, people who are not connected digitally or don't don't like engaging that way, who don't think, of, you know, their thought processes work in a different way. Yeah, we would absolutely have to have options. Um, but it, but, but then, then there's other people, like people who um, are sight impaired, you know, to be able to um, do a, an anonymous vote and be empowered to do that, I think, is incredibly important as well. You know, we are so diverse as human beings that it will require a diverse response. Yeah, um, yeah, I 100% believe there needs to be a hybrid model. Um, we have um, our enrolments there. You can do that on paper. Um, but in this particular election, 55% of people have responded digitally. So we still need to have that. And we understand that in our communities, especially in South Auckland, uh, 15 to 25% of them don't even have access to the digital products. And so we understand you have to have that hybrid so that you can offer that service, that communication, and that uh, support. Do you know much about what, what work is being done in that space, Erin, at the moment, to look to look at the digital aspect of things? No, it hasn't no. even come up right. uh, because of... Um, it starts in Parliament first before it get We just action whatever they um, legislate. So yeah. it is not even a legislation. Latavia, absolutely. Um, go for oh, it. Not, this is my nerdy side showing. Um, so the only country that actually has um, an online operational um, voting system in place is Estonia. Um, and it's <laughs> embarrassing. But um, uh, I think we could also really learn from Te Ao Māori um, and iwi um, elections. I know some of them are held online or maybe in, with hybrid models, um, and it could be interesting, I guess, if that was community-led, um, but still a bit to go when it comes to technology, but I'm also a big believer in hybrid, having different um, ways to vote, because also if we think about, like, ableism, and, or, but, and I think about my aunties with... Um, 
arthritis. Like it's so hard for them to leave the house. So um, having options um, that actually don't really require you to like move and that are accessible, as well as having that face-to-face, -face, which is so important in communities, um, is really integral. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Um, I'll, I'll keep the microphone with Latavia because the question's come in specifically for okay. you. Um, they've said, Latavia mentioned acknowledging um, inequities, right? How do we make participation in the local elections more equitable? Yeah, um, I guess just thinking about um, the communities of which you serve um, and whether it's led by them, really, um, but also whether they're engaged in your organisations. Because... Um, at our job, YWCA, little plug, um, we look at intersectional feminism, which is just a big fancy way of saying um, the different ways in which power interacts. So we think about um, feminism that only that doesn't only look at women, but also thinks about women of colour, women with um, disabilities, those living in poverty, classism, racism, um, you know, homophobia, and you think of all those different intersections and how different communities may be impacted, um, but you can't guess, like. Um, Tewila was saying just ask people and get people to lead their own solutions because um, every time the community is going to have a better answer um, than academics who are just guessing based off research. So I think just going into your communities and just backing people and sometimes like also you don't have to be the person leading things. Sometimes like I look around in this room and most people here are people who are already engaged. Probably all of us are going to be voting. Um, but it's about how to maybe how do we use our understanding of politics and how do we use our reach in our communities and in our families um, to encourage those who may not be engaged and who may not trust and who may feel embarrassed. How do we use, I guess, our privilege and our voice um, to make more space for them and make them feel a little bit more comfortable um, and have conversations without expensive words? I think that's a big thing I've learned is when I'm having conversations with my family about politics, no one asked for my expensive words, you know? It's just keeping it simple um, and voting v based on our values because no one cares if you've got a degree if you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it real, right? Keep it real. Do we think we ask enough questions, Twila? Do you think we ask people enough questions about, do, you know, or do, do we rely on what we, on, on perceived knowledge or understanding? No, yeah, we have a top-down approach. It's definitely perceived knowledge and understanding. Um, I think... In recent years, there's lots more... There's, like, a strong movement... Not strong. There's more uh, Pacifica Māori academics that are trying to mobilise their research spaces towards what we want, like the information that we need for our communities. But, yes, no, we don't, we don't ask enough questions and we don't seem to think we have the resources to start at the grassroots because it is a hard job and it means going out there and actually doing the work on the ground... Um, and we, we know we can do it because we did it in a crisis. We did it in COVID. So it's just a matter of sort of shifting that, that frame of mind and doing it for something like local body elections, which is huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, Julie, I wondered if I could ask you about your take on the, um, the addressing inequities question that was posed to um, Latavia, because you've had such a um, huge experience with the Human Rights Commission. How do we do that? How do we get that right? I think um, we've we've already he heard lots of really good answers, but I, I think in terms of inequities for representation, I, I go back to what I said before about that need to 
to fund and mobilise um, people yourself in order to get people to know who you are and, and get into the communities. And, and I, I think it was a great sadness for the rainbow panel um, in, in this, this last um, round that we've been in that we really wanted to find ways to empower people to know that they could be a candidate, you know, that they could be LGBTQIA plus and be a candidate and that they would get tremendous backing from all the different eclectic communities that are under those rainbows. Um, but, but we just never, we never kind of got to the point of being able to think of a way through for that. And I, I think for those communities, um, I, I don't see them very represented. Um, so yeah, w w I, I think we need to we need to have a, a kind of afi kind of system whereby people who can see gaps in who is represented um, sort of coalesce and and find the people and then wrap wrap around every kind of support. You know, it's a, a lot of emotional support too. You know, a again. If I use that example of LGBTQIA plus communities, they can take a lot of shit, you know, a, a lot of stuff gets thrown to, to them. And when you put yourself up to be a, a public figure, you know, you also invite a lot of um, that, that sort of behaviour. And, and we already know that council, the people who work for council and elected members. You know, we know that elected members have not put themselves forward for election again because of the hate that has come that way. And that just makes me feel so enraged. Because, you know, they work way harder than they're remunerated for, most of them. Could you put your finger on why? Why you didn't get that cut through? Why people didn't feel like they could be a part of that process from that community? I think um, I think we wanted to go through a process, and I think um, partly it was COVID, um, and partly I think we didn't, as a group of people, fully get our heads around how we could do that. And also, there are kind of some rules and regulations too. So you know, we had to be very careful about our role as advisors to the council. Um, you know. It, 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 could have been murky waters helping people to get um, to, to put themselves forward. Um, we have an audience question here, if we could get a microphone. Kia ora koutou. Um, I was just going to ask how useful you would think it would be to have sponsored ads on like TikTok and Facebook where celebrities make it look cool to vote and people from even as interesting as Celebrity Treasure Island are putting their vote in, showing how to tick the box, um, is that a useful resource, and would it affect the vote turnout? I'm holding a microphone right now, and I'm going to say yes, 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 absolutely. Um, we have a bit of a celebrity culture here in Aotearoa, and I, I definitely think... But I think anything that makes quite a serious thing also seem fun, and like what the cool cats are doing, I, th I think yes, I, I think. And, and we saw that with Chloe Swarbrick... Um, how, how many elections ago was it two? Um, my understanding is that her campaign was pretty much done completely um, using social media and 
she had a very successful, I mean, she didn't win, but she came, she came close, much closer than a lot of people would have ever predicted, and you, using the, those social media platforms. Twila, do you have thoughts on that? It, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, right? It's the tools in the toolbox. It's whatever, whatever helps. Yes, I, I agree with what Julie said. Summed up well. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Erin, an interesting question, uh, question here, and, and we might as well address the elephant in the room. Lovely to see so many people here this evening, but there are quite a few empty chairs, and someone online has, has noticed that and has said, does that speak to, you know, is, is that a, is a reflection of where we're at? The fact that there are empty chairs here tonight, and we didn't get as many people as we were hoping for to engage and have a conversation with you guys and to listen to the conversation you were having. Does that speak to where we're at? Yeah, I think the world has changed post-COVID, so um, it's interesting that person is um, engaging online and with this question, um, because uh, if I had the option, I'd actually do this online too, um, <laughs> instead of coming up. Uh, but, you know, the world has changed, and we are communicating differently, and um, I don't see this as a reflection of, of the interest. Um, but it's just, um, I think online's way more convenient. But, uh, you know, um, it's good to be here and um, have the free food and uh, do all of, those, all of those types of things. I'm sure people did, did appreciate here. Um, but also trying to get here and all of those types of things now that we're back into work and all of those types of things I can appreciate. Auckland has been such the busy, productive people they are. Uh, probably had other things. And guess what? Most people will probably catch up and watch this after the live. <laughs> that's what I like about the digital platform, yes. is because I'll go home and watch it as well, yeah. and so will my family, I'll probably share that. So this is the, the great thing about having something in person, which is my you know gold standard, is always having something, seeing your guys' smiles, and having your support here today um, is really good, but I also think the message goes out even further digitally. So. Yeah, well, thank you for being here in person, by the way. But we, we do appreciate our online audience as well. Um, um, Twila, someone um, brought up something that you kind of touched on earlier about how do you engage renters, because you mentioned it. As a renter, you'd feel often like it doesn't really apply to you, right? Um, yeah, I suppose maybe I didn't make it clear. I've, I had to think, you've got to make the connection, right? Yes. So you've got to make the connection that even though... I am paying my money to a landlord. That landlord, that that money, of course, is being um, is affected by rates because they're going to pass on the rates. Was that kind of what they asked? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just making the connection um, to actually where your money's going. Yeah, and making sure that they feel like that that their voice is just as important as as homeowners and rate yeah, it's knowing that yeah, it's knowing that my rates are actually okay. So I actually use the library. So it is going to be affected by that mm. by that money, yeah. But can we do more to engage those people and make them feel like they're a part of this? Renters? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think generally speaking, local democracy elections, we know we should just be doing more to engage everyone because it just, as you mentioned right at the beginning, the trend is going down. Yeah. Yeah. Erin, um, interesting question here. Do you think voter turnout actually translates to engagement, you know, for for example, for a lot of people, they get their, their papers, they vote, but do you think they're actually engaged in the process, even if they are, at, even if they are turning in their voting papers? I, I think if you can get that far, um, you're definitely engaged. Um, 
during this particular election on the 12th of August when we closed off the roll, we actually had 91% of people enrolled. And so now all we have to do is get them across the line to vote. And so there is their engagement to that point. It's how to we now encourage them to uh, come in and cross that line. And so there's a lot of things to think about and what we were talking about tonight, hopefully that has encouraged people to actually get out and, and um, use their voice. Um, Julie, someone's asked, how influential is dirty politics in local politics? Do you believe it, it deters eligible voters away? Do you have a, a, a thought process on that? Wow. Um, I definitely think it would be at the back of some people's minds. Um, how prevalent that would be, I, I, I couldn't mm. comment. I, I feel like that's above my pay grade. <laughs> it's okay. That that's all right. Yeah. Um, Latavia, someone said, um, and, and you mentioned this earlier, do you think engagement starts with educating the young about the role of local government through civics education? Do you think we need to yeah. do more in that space? I think, once again, it's just one tool that we can use um, because children don't live alone, they live in families. Um, and I think it's not only encouraging that civics talk, um, but also making sure that it's relevant. Like, if you're talking to kids, like, I never knew as a kid that um, when people are voting, um, it impacts my park, you know? It impacts, you know, my playground. Like, it impacts, like, you know, I think of, like, you know, growing up with my cousins and going to Starling Park in Ranui, like, your vote impacts whether the slide's nice or whether there's a pothole in the road on my way walking there, you know? And so when we're talking to kids, making sure it's, like, super relevant um, so that they can have those conversations with their families, um, but also ensuring that people are talking about their values as well, because a lot of people... Um, it's so hard to understand the machinery of like government, especially like local. So just keeping it really relevant and um, encouraging that narrative around your everyday and how um, local politics um, impacts our everyday like lives. Erin, do you think we can be doing do, be doing more in that space? You know, getting civics education in school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I used to be on the board of trustees for a primary school, and um, you had civics alongside Maori. You had, you know, these extracurriculum uh, on top of numeracy and literacy, and so you had to make a choice. And so, ours being a decile one um, school, we had to prioritise. Uh, those things, and so civics got pushed aside. We, you know, we'd love to have civics in in the in the education system, but they they just have to choose the priority um, at the time. And so I, I do uh, recognise that there's a lot of pressure on schools. There's a lot of pressure in that space. Um, but hey, if there's anyone listening and they can put civics in there, uh, I can um, you know definitely um, encourage that. But it's if this old nine and ten schools, they have civics education. Yeah. So that's where you can see that, uh, you know, equality as such in different areas, and you can see that by participation, is because education does make a difference, right? But it's just because, you know, numeracy and literacy is at the top in some schools compared to, say, others. Um, it, it's just uh, the system that needs to probably prioritise that. Octavia, I know you had something Sorry, else. Sorry, I just wanted to add something. Um, and so often um, when we're talking about things like civics education and financial literacy, we say, oh, we just need to put it in schools, but that puts the, the onus on the curriculum. So it's so important that it's a full community, full society approach to um, educating each other as well. Like, um, So I was presenting a financial literacy course in an 
I'll try to be fast, in a decile one high school in South Auckland. Um, and I asked the students, um, so 71 students, I said, close your eyes, um, who's got an F postcard? And only three of them could raise their hands. And then um, I said, I was like, who's heard of, and then I named a list of loan sharks, and every person put their hand up. And I said, um, whose family struggled to put food in the pantry? And then nearly every child put their hand up. And this is like real life, you know, um, these are the, the inequities that are taking place. So the differences between high socioeconomic areas and our um, communities who are just trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep food in the pantries, like the onus should not just be on them as kids, they're just trying to survive. Twitter, the frustrating thing though about that is that for those people, for those communities, they're the ones who would really see such a difference by voting for the people that are going to make a difference to them. Yes, um, and I think, I, su I suppose when I think of it, like when we've had this discussion, um, my thoughts, and it's come up a couple of times, like we will definitely be going towards, it's, n it's not a matter of if we're going to have digital voting or digital accessible voting, it's when we'll get it. And it's not a matter of if we're going to have civics part as part of the edu education system, it's a matter of when we'll get it. And so... I suppose what we want to do is make sure that we don't make the same mistakes which have led to all these inequities and representation when that happens and that kind of that brainstorming needs to start now at the council or at local government, I mean at central government, so um, which is kind of a, it's a side issue but I do think we should think about those things now so we don't have to sit in this panel again in another three years' time yeah. and, and talk about the same thing. Yeah. yeah, but isn't it beautiful that we're having this conversation? We can start to, we can be honest about it, right? Because we have to be honest. Um, Julie, someone said voting is a huge part in democracy and I see it not only as a right but also a responsibility, which is such a beautiful sentiment. Yeah, yeah. But they've said in the last few years, there's obviously be, been a trend of, sh of shifting of, of power um, from local to central government. So how do you address that trend while saying every vote counts? Yeah, that's a complex question. And I, I, I think it's I think it's empowering, you know, getting getting the right people empowered to bring back some of that um, that power back to local communities and decentralizing some of that. Mm. Because, you know, a, a, a number of our other services, you know, like health and water, uh, are, are very much being centralised. So we have to really make sure that we can um, keep hold of the other things locally and and influence and, and get the right people who are going to look at what communities need and um, ensure that they happen. So, yeah. Brilliant. Erin, do you have thoughts on that, about the, the growing trend of shifting away from local body, body politics to central politics? I guess you're involved in both, so you might yeah, not want to yeah, answer I that am, question. I am involved in both, and um, I think that's really, again, the representation that, that we're putting into these, uh, these spaces um, determines where their power lies. And so, you know, it's, it's about talking to... Um, those people that are in power and, and giving them the opinions uh, of the people um, is one thing, but because we all have an individual vote, before we actually put the people in power, the power is in our hand at that particular point in time. So there's a transfer of power after the vote, so it's really about having to think about who we're putting into that space before we actually cast that vote so that we can have the outcomes that we need.
Um, we're going to wrap things up shortly, but I just wondered if anyone else in the audience had any more questions before we start to wrap things up this evening. Um, there was one final question um, online for Latavia. Are you thinking of running for office in the next yeah. round of elections? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to pay my shin love. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, um, I'm very lucky to work in a space where I can critique <laughs> the system and it's hard to critique when you're within. Um, but, um, wow, you're really guessing me up online, huh? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we'll help you put up your hoarding. <laughs> oh, oh, Julie said she's going to transfer to my account. <laughs> nah, Tai Lover. Um, all right, well, let's wrap things up then. And I just wondered if I could get your final thoughts. Final thoughts on why this matters, why people need to vote, why they need to be engaged. Erin, can we start with you? Yeah, so um, action needs to be taken now, right? So I'm going to the all-black game on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, there's 91% of people already enrolled. So we only have a very short window of time to get them across the line to vote. So... This is our encouragement is to get out there and talk to people, communicate, um, refer them to the information that they need, have those conversations within your communities so that you can actually make a difference. Because yes, we can put some plans out there in the future, but now is the time, now is the hour. And so this is our opportunity right now. So if anybody's listening, um, you know, let's get out there. It's, it's time um, to activate um, our vote. Julie? Um, I reckon each person who's listening to this make a personal commitment to, you know, you pick a number that's realistic for you, but say, I'm going to try and make sure I take X number of people um, along with me on this voting journey and, and get their, their papers into the countdown. Re you know, really small. Think really small, but actually do it. The smallest deed is better than the grandest intention. Um, one of my aunties, who works night shift, always tells me, um, if you're not going to vote, don't complain, <laughs> which is so crack up. But, um, so that's one message. But then on the other side, I think it's important. We're, we're all part of communities. We're all part of families. Um, so having those beautiful conversations, maybe sometimes those hard conversations um, with your friends around um, voting. And also, it doesn't matter who you're voting for, as long as you're voting based off your values and you're staying true to who you are, who your community is, and um, maybe those most marginalized in your community. Um, that's how I place my vote. And I just encourage everyone to vote based off your values um, if you can. And voting, um, like we were talking about, um, for the sacrifices that have been made in the past um, and for a future Tamaki Makoto um, that reflects the beautiful diversity in which we live in. Kia ora. <laughs> um, I'll just total what the, my three fellow panellists have said. And um, maybe to add to that, just... Sometimes um, thinking of it as a really selfish act, like the, you know, when you get stuck in traffic and you get annoyed at something or when you want to go down and maybe there's a pothole in the road or like your local pool has got something wrong and it's closed, just think, oh, I can, you know, I can do something about that. Well, no, I can't, you can't do something about that, but those are the things that I can vote for or vote towards in my local election. So yeah, just trying to bring all those sentiments together. Beautiful. Haven't they been incredible this evening? Yeah, a massive round of applause.
for all four of our panelists, um, Erin, Ju Julie, Latavia, and Twila, thank you so much for being with us this evening. We so appreciate it. And we so appreciate you being here this evening as well, and online as well. Thank you for engaging, because that's what this is all about, right? It's about engagement and making sure that we are striving for a better Tamaki Makoto, a better Auckland. This is an amazing city. We've all talked about why we love this place so much, but we can always be doing better, whether that's just making the city a better place to live or be doing better in terms of making sure that we are engaged in the process. And so I hope you've learned something tonight. I hope you've taken something away. Um, I hope either you have, have voted or you're going to vote. Um, go and do the research, read up about the candidates, um, go and talk to the team down the back. Erin's team are amazing. Um, yeah, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you so much for engaging. Um, to wrap things up this evening, I'd love to invite Phil Wilson, the Director of Governance and CCO Partnerships from Auckland Council. Kia ora koutou katoa, um, talofa lava, malua lele. Um, greetings, uh, good folk. Um, yeah, I'm Phil, I'm uh, Council's um, Director of Governance and uh, our, our CCO relationships. Those are council-controlled organisations. Um, I want to add my thank you to you guys. Um, that was awesome sitting here listening, digesting, and uh, there are lots of ideas um, lots of challenges, but lots of ideas that um, um, you've shared tonight. So, you know, again, maybe a big round of applause for these guys. Um, look, I, by no means would I attempt a, um, to summarise um, such wide-ranging uh, uh, content, but, you know, I would just make the statement that um, for for democracy to be healthy, for society be, to be inclusive, you know, absolutely, we've got to see um, we've got to see some change. We've got to see um, people observing that people with their values, their experience, um, um, you know, that communities are represented around that table, around that decision-making table. Um, and there's so much more we need to kind of keep cracking into in, in that regard. Um, I want to. I'm looking at the audience. I do want to um, offer my appreciation to uh, Rose Leonard, um, Elodie Fontaine, and uh, and a few other people. These guys are doing um, some hard graft in the background, um, sort of managing the um, election on behalf of council um, and doing a spectacular job. So, kia ora to you. Um, and. Um, <laughs> Hey, um, um, Maddie's kind of said this, and thank you, um, Maddie. But um, you know, eighth of October, get your votes in. Um, you sh people should have received purple voting packs um, at home by now. Um, if you haven't, um, um, or you know people who haven't, then uh, go online to the Vote Auckland website. Um, you'll find it easily. There's really great material guidance. Um, material on candidates, but also material on processes that talks you through uh, what to do. If you are posting your um, vote back, um, it's got to be posted before the 8th, so have the 4th in, in your mind, um, please. And, um, you know, um, be a proud Aucklander, be proud of this um, uh, Tamaki Makaurau 
um, region, city uh, that we call home and be part of the journey. Thank you. Kia ora. Well, that's it from Auckland Conversations. Thank you so much. And another massive round of applause for our four panellists this evening. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic evening. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast of Auckland Conversations, brought to you by Auckland Council and our sponsors Jib and Resine. For more information, visit our website, conversations.aucklandcouncil.govt.nz. Auckland Conversations is proudly produced by Tandem Studios.